our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O Lord, on this gorgeous morning, we're so grateful that you continue to count us as part of your people, that you continue to call us into relationships with you and with others, and that no matter how distant we may be, you beckon us, you continue to include us in your kingdom. Keep us ever mindful through your son's name. In your, in your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today's second, our first reading is from 2 Kings chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me? to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached him and said, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then Naaman returned to the man of God. He and all his company, he came and stood before Elisha and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Today's reading, today's gospel reading is from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 17, starting at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten people who had leprosy approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, 
have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to them, Samaritan, get up and go on your way, for your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated, and at this time I invite the little Lutherans to come and join us up here. How are you guys? We're missing Ava Marie. Soon, I'm hoping soon, little um, Kit can join us too. Okay? So, uh, all right. Did you guys have fun yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, at the um, free cycle. Do you understand what we did with the free cycle? That was an opportunity for us to be, you know, to connect with our neighbors, right? It's something that we should always be thinking of doing as a church, as a group of God's people. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever felt left out? Yeah, have you ever felt left out? Yeah, you've said, does it hurt when you feel left out? Does it feel bad? Yeah, can you think of the last time you felt left out? No. No? Me? Yeah. When, when did you feel left out, Jackson? Um, when I was at school. When you were at school? Yeah, that's a big place where a lot of us feels it. At recess, nobody wanted to play with you. At recess, nobody wanted to play with you? I've been there, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, it's not fun, is it, when you feel left out? Mm -mm. Yeah, feel lonely. What else do you feel? Do you feel sad? Mm -hmm. Do you feel hurt? Do you feel anger? Disappointment? A whole bunch of feelings. They're not fun feelings, are they? And what do you do when you feel that way? Do you cry? Yeah, sometimes you cry. I can understand. Do you pout? Put your big lips out, mm -hmm. like this, like that. No? Can you practice? Mm -hmm. Actually, I think you have a lot of practice. Uh, especially you, Jackson, right? Yeah. I'm sorry? You practice it all the time? I'm sure, right? Yeah, your mom agrees. Okay. And, uh, and then, now, when you get disappointed, you don't hit people, do you? No, never hit people, right? And so it's not fun. Well, you know, in God's world, do, do you think God leaves anybody behind? Or he forgets anyone? No. Do you ever think of that when you feel sad and lonely? You think about God? You do? What, what do you think about when you think about God? You don't know? How about you, Gunther? Okay, it's, a, it's a hard question. You but here's what I want you to remember, that God loves all of us, no matter who we are, right? Because God made us, is he, did he not? You know, we all look alike in many ways. We have arms, ears. Not all of us have hair. Unlucky for you guys, right? But, uh, yeah, I'm bald. Voluntarily, mind you. So, but we, you know, we pretty much all look alike, and God says that we are made to look like him. Right? We don't always look exactly like God. Must be amazing 
thing to look at because if he looks like all of us, I can't imagine what that looks like. But we get a glimpse of God every time we see God. So we are mindful, we are reminded that God includes us and that we are his. We're always with him. That's really cool. And so I remember when I felt lonely at times, I just remember that maybe it's time for me to think about where I am with God and that I don't always have to pity myself, right? And that I'm so lucky I have a family with people in my family that loves me, so I'm not always alone. And I want you to remember that God puts people in our lives so that we are never so lonely that we can't have anybody. Can you think of anybody in your, in your life that you can turn to when you feel sad and lonely? Huh? Your dog? Oh, God, yeah, but beyond God, the people that God has put in your life. Can you think of anybody? What, Jackson? Gavin and Grant. Gavin and Grant and Guther, huh? Your parents? Who else? Gummies. Gummies? <laughs> well, I know what you think of. What else? There's a lot. There's friends. Even when you're at school, you always have friends at school, right? Gummies. Your teacher and so forth. Okay. So I want you to remember that, right? Today's gospel text is a story of people who felt left out in many ways. And I'm going to share that in the sermon. And, and God has a way of reminding them that they're not alone, okay? So let's close with a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for always being with us. And that you always make sure that we are part of you and that you put people in our lives to be mindful that we are not alone and that you walk with us daily. Lord, help us to celebrate that and share that good news with others. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's have some gummies. Would you like a gummy? There you go. All right, you can go downstairs for Kids Church. Let us pray. Dear Lord, in this beautiful morning, we're able to gather. We're so grateful that we can do so in your name as your people to worship and to praise you. Lord, let the words that are preached now have the opportunity to dwell deep in our hearts, in our souls, our minds, so that we are made better for hearing it and we are transformed according to your will. And may the words that, is, that will be spoken have the power not only to be pleasing in your hearing, but the power to transform us as you intend. In your name we pray. Amen. Before I get to my sermon, I, I, there's a, something I, I, that I like to do. In our gospel text, would you go back to the, gospel, to, to the first reading? I want to point something that I always find fascinating. But in our lectionary reading, oftentimes we'll have split texts within one reading. And so like there, you'll see in the, up above, it says 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, and then a comma, and then 7 to 15. Well, I always, when I come across it, I always read the verses 4 to 6 to see what am I skipping, what are they missing, what is it that isn't, um, isn't important enough to be, or doesn't fit the theme of the day. And what's missing is really about a girl, a girl named Abigail. And this girl... If you read that text, what you find is that this girl becomes the conduit for peace between Aram, which is modern-day Syria, and Israel. She becomes the conduit. And what's fascinating about the images or the, the theme of little girls, and she's seven, we think, in this story, is that young ladies and girls are often 
the conduit or the vessel by which God brings about peace. You think of Mother Mary, who's a young lady at the time. You think of uh, Rahab and so forth. And what you find is that these young ladies are ways in which God brings, God uses them to bring about peace. And I, so in reading that, I discovered that what we're missing is a whole different theme, why it's not in here, is that there's this um, story of, um, of Abigail, and it should, it's worth your time reading about Abigail. So go home, before the Vikings game starts, read those three verses, and I think you will find it fascinating. And, and then keep in mind that when you read the Bible, anytime a young girl shows up, the odds are there's some sort of peace event that will occur momentarily in that reading. Another girl that comes to mind is um, Jephthah's daughter in, um, in the book of Judges, which is a sad story, but go read it, and you'll be, it will be very fascinating and interesting. Today's text, though, the two texts put together is about leprosy, is about people with leprosy. And back in those days, as, and you know, I've heard, uh, I have shared this with you, and you've heard me do this, share this, is that leprosy was like the, the kiss of death from people who get it. It's a communicable disease. If you touch someone, odds are you're going to get it. And it's still prevalent today, especially in third world countries, and really prevalent in India. When I was in India back 20-some years ago, I, I saw the results of leprosy, and it's terrible. And those people have no lives even today. They are excommunicated, they are thrown away off to the side of the road. And in fact, it is Mother Teresa who really brought up to the, brought to the nation's, uh, the world's attention, the modern uh, day issues with leprosy. And she spent most of her life with people who died and lived out on the streets. And they were out on the streets, unloved, uncared for, because they had leprosy. And so her, most of her ministry in Calcutta was because of leprosy. So leprosy is a terrible disease back then, and it still is now. But now modern-day medicine is able to deal with it much more effectively, obviously, than back 2,000-plus years ago. But back in what's fascinating about our first lesson is that Naaman is this mighty, powerful general I would, I would associate him with like the Colin Powell of our modern thinking. And he was so powerful that he was only, he was basically the vice president, the vice king under the king of Aram, which is modern day Syria. And he, of all people, should have been able to avoid it, but somehow he contacted leprosy. And so he struggles with his uh, with his standing, and the reason he behaves the way he does is that he's struggling with his own um, with his own place in society. He's afraid he's going to lose everything he's ever worked for, and so for him, he understood perfectly what leprosy meant. It was the complete dis, um, uh, removal of his life from society. And when Jesus comes around, by then they build walls around cities. These two stories are about a thousand years apart. So Jesus, when Jesus comes around, they built walls around. And guess where the lepers lived? They lived on the outside of the walls. They were not welcomed at all because of the communicableness of their diseases. And so they were always forgotten. So in many ways, to get leprosy was to be, it was to die. If not physically, it was in every other way, socially, spiritually, every way you could imagine. But eventually, the disease would get you, so you would eventually die sooner than you would otherwise, even for back then. 
And so it was a horrible disease. It was a socially horrible thing to have to deal with. And so the two lessons when you take together and how God works through Elijah to, 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 to heal Naaman and then how Jesus heals the ten lepers tells you something. It should tell you that you are never that far from the grace, from the love, and the healing touch of Christ. That we are always part of God's humanity, God's numbers, no matter who we are and what we are. And I, as a living person uh, from the orphanages, the nuns taught me that, and I am convinced I'm part of that, and I buy into it completely, because I was told many times I was not part of a people, only for the nuns to say, but God loved you, loves you. This text, when we really dig deep down into it, it is a story of God's amazing grace engaging with his people. Even when the rest of his people deny some of his people, God still claims all of his people, which should be awesome. Because how many of us have been in the places of the lepers to feel completely disregarded, disrespected, and and forgotten in some way or another? Some of us have been neglected or been turned down by various people in our lives, have been made to look like fools because we are a certain way. How many of us have felt like we might as well be lepers in our lives? Huh? And yet, God never has ever seen us as lepers. If anything, God sees us as children. One of Martin Luther's uh, more famous stories is that um, during the peasant war of, in his Germany, er, in the area of, his, uh, of Germany, in southeast Germany, during his lifetime, one of the reasons why the peasants went to war was that they felt completely humiliated by the way that the society, the feudal society had set itself up so that these people who did all the hard work had no say, had no vote, had nothing. They had no control over their lives. And Martin Luther uh, um, associated them with the lepers. And he says, if we don't care for the lepers, then we are no more important and no more serious about our faith than the warring kings that dominate us who are only out there for greed and for class and for titles. And so he goes to fight. He doesn't physically fight, but he preaches from the Wittenberg Cathedral um, uh, pulpit, and he writes treatises about the role of the Christian. And he, call, and, and he calls it the, um, it's one of the more his famous writing, it's the, um, uh, the freedom of the Christian. And in this freedom of the Christian text, he says it is our responsibility to always be looking out for the lepers of our lives, for those that society has forgotten, for those that no matter what we may think of them, we ought to always be, avail- be made available for them because God, God, has included them along with us because every one of us are made in his image. And because of that, we should always be about engaging everybody, whether they live on the inside of the wall or on the outside of the city wall. We are to be godly to all. And so one of the big things he says is that we are given the freedom of the will to always do good for the pleasure of God. And because of that, in order to make God 
happy. We are always to be about serving those that bear the image of God. And so this text reminds us of Martin Luther's, one of his great writings, that we are always about the other. And what's fascinating is that he echoes the two, the two texts today. Because Naaman, what does Elijah say to Naaman? Go, do it, go do. Miracles always happen. But after the miracles, there's always instruction for the people to, who receive it to do something. It's an active faith. Miracles happen when actions occur. And then when the, um, when the ten lepers, when they're healed, what does Jesus say? Go and worship your God. Go. It is in the act of worshiping that we discover that we are part of God. It is the act of living out our faith that we are given the opportunity to see God and the images of God on the various faces that we serve. Healing isn't just a one momentary action that brings people back to wholeness, but it is part of, an in, of a renewed lifestyle in which we become much more focused on and learn God's work through the actions we do for others. Healing is not just only about the individual that gets healed, but it's also about the individual reaching out and serving others and engaging God's people. And it is in that that they're not only physically healed, but I'm convinced when Jesus heals someone, it is also a spiritual healing. And not just I feel good now, but that now I feel I'm part of God's plan, and now God's plan invites me to serve others. And it is in serving that we discover that we are part of God's plan all along. But when we are wallowing in our selfless, selfishness, when, when we're in our various uh, handicapped situation at the time, we lose sight of all that. And it is in that healing that we become much more aware and so that's why God, I find, always invites us, after he heals somebody, to go. When he heals the hemorrhaging woman, he says, go. When he heals everybody, you just watch. The next thing he says to them is to go and to do something. And so what's amazing about the conclusion of our gospel text is that he tells all the ten to go. But those nine don't recognize that their healing is much more than just a physical healing, except the one guy, the one that is least like them all, the foreigner in their midst, the one that really is, should have been not, should not have been healed because he was nothing like the Jews. He's a Samaritan. He's a foreigner. He's the one that realizes that, in its, that when God heals, when Christ heals, it's more than just a physical healing. It's a holistic, it's a spiritual, it's a mental, it's everything. So he comes back and he shows that appreciation. He recognizes what Christ has done. It's, because it's one thing to get healed, but there's a whole physical, I mean, there's a whole spiritual and mental thing to overcome. Years of being left and neglected. And Jesus heals him completely because he recognizes what healing of what God's healing is like. And so the invitation for us today, right, is really to always understand that healing is, is not just a passive event that come, Christ does and we're done, or one, a momentary event, but it's an ongoing event that invites us to engage God 
in all of his complexities, in all of his goodness, with his people, no matter where we are. It's, an, it's a healing story that should keep us mindful of two things. One is that we are never that far from the reach of God, whether we're in the circle of important people or outside of it, but that the healing is an act of faith that he invites us into. We are invited to go out and to share that healing with others because it is in the healing that we get fully healed. I remember many times growing up where I would feel pity about to myself about something the Vikings probably lost, you know? And God, and what would my mom say? Well, do you want to feel better? Go, go do something nice to the, to, you know, we had elderly neighbors. Go mow Mrs. Doty's uh, lawn. Or, miss, or the birds, you know, go, um, go uh, pluck the deadheads off their petunias. You know, like, are you kidding me? No way. But a few times I did, I'd always felt better because, like, oh, we couldn't do it. Thank you. You saved our, our garden. And, you know, they said something. And you always felt better. And so my invitation for you and how I saw today's texts is really not only a, the understanding that we're always part of God's plans, that we are always within his reach, regardless how far we may feel. We are. God is always with us. But that he invites us, part of that healing is to be out there engaging and sharing that healing with others so that not only are we completely and fully healed, but others may see that goodness and give and, and, and get that sense, renewed sense, that God is with them also. Let that be the invitation for us. Let that also be a challenge for us. And let's see what miracles God does work in our lives and in the community around us. And I'm convinced could go a long way in a divisive society that we live in today, where there's so much divisive talk, a lot of negativity. Maybe this can bring about a change of our culture. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that you continue to love us, that you continue to guide us, that you continue to count us as yours, and that you make, keep us ever aware of your presence in our lives by the faces that we see as they bear your image. Lord, help us to always be aware of that, but help us to also be aware that you continue to, to heal us, bring us to fuller fruition, completeness according to your plan. Allow us to allow our awareness of your gifts in our lives. Be the impetus by which we share that with others who may struggle to understand your presence and your place and their place in your plans. Lord, give us strength always, give us courage, but give us the resolve to always do the work that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn is number 296.
Let us confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Sustained and nurtured by our generous God, we gather as one to pray for the church, the world, and all of God's creation. Lord, we lift up to you our national leaders, state leaders, and local leaders, along with presidents, chancellors, prime ministers, and all those who lead your people in this world. Allow them to be guided and persuaded by your wisdom so that the decisions they make and the bills and laws that they enact has the power to bring forth your glory in this place. Lord, we lift up to you all the doctors and nurses and all those who care for your people in matters of life and death, that they are too guided by your ever caring and comforting presence, that they're able to do their work professionally, with gentleness, with professionalism, so that your glory is made through their work. Lord, give them also the confidence and the skills that they need. Lord, we lift up to you the teachers and all those who invest in our children, those who take time to educate, those who take time to dis, um, display genuine interest in our children so that the children in our midst and around the world may be able to learn more about your creation that they call home. Lord, we are grateful every week and every day for the creation in which we live. Help us to keep it sustainably. Help us to be good stewards of it as we care for the animals that dwell along with us in your creation. Keep us ever mindful of the gift that is creation and our work and life within it. Help us to care for it in every way possible. Lord, we lift up to you all those who are not able to be with us because they're in various places vacationing, those who are golfing even, and we ask you, Lord, to be with them so that they, in with their friends and with their families, can still revel in your love. We lift up to you, Lord, those that are recovering from illnesses right now, from various maladies that prevents them from being with us and being with their families. On this day, we especially remember Shirley as she is far from her family down in Arizona. May she continue to recover. May her spirit lift as she recover. And may she ever always know that her church family keeps her in, her, in their prayers, but look forward to her return. Lord, we lift up to you also Herman, Bruce, Hulda, John, Eileen, Ray, Roger, Wilbur, Randy, Ed, Edna, Thelma, Carl, and Carol. May they continue to feel your presence. And we lift up to you, Lord, also this morning, um, the Wolford's daughter. What's her? Cindy. Thank you. 
Cindy and her recovery from cancer. Allow her, Lord, to in this time of trials and health complications, may her all allow her to know that your healing touches with her and the doctors and nurses that are caring for her are able to do so with love, with gentleness and compassion and professionalism. But also may her may she, may she also know, may Cindy also know that this community of faith lifts her up in prayer. Lord, we lift up to you the mission of this congregation that we continue to continue to find ways in which we connect with our neighbors. We're grateful for the ministries that have been done here, especially the free cycle and the various other things we've done in the past. And allow us, Lord, to continue to be faithful to you and to the people you've given us. And help us to be creative and find ways in which we can reach out and continue to find ways to bring forth your gospel in this place. And lastly, Lord, we're grateful for the members of this congregation and their faithfulness. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to increase their faith, increase their resolve to bring about your gospel, to bring about service and love in this, in this community so that people can look upon this community of faith as a beacon of hope, of love, and good news. Lord, we lift this and all the other prayers, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Wait. Yes, be seated. At this time, I want to uh, dedicate our new um, worship uh, equipments that we've been blessed with in the last year. As you know, in this last year, we've done a lot of upgrades. Some of the stuff you see, like uh, the new projector, screen, uh, the monitor in the back, and this wonderful uh, uh, Eucharistic table that um, was made for us by... Uh, you guys, Coles, having a mental block. <laughs> Whoever you are, the tech guy back there. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and, also, and there are many more things to come. We're going to do more of that. But I wanted to highlight all of, your, uh, all of the stuff and just take this time to dedicate um, the various tools that we have this morning. So let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. You have enriched our lives with every good and perfect gift. You have commanded us to show your splendor to our children and to praise you with the lives of love, justice, and joy. Accept these new audio-visual tools which we offer in thanksgiving. May it serve to increase our vision of your glory, to remind us of your goodness and to support our calling to worship you in spirit and truth. Accept this Eucharistic table that is beside me at this place, which we may offer with thanksgiving uh, may those who use it to celebrate your great gift to us do so in reverence and love, giving honor and glory to your holy name. Bring us all at length to your perfect kingdom, where you live and reign with your Son, the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. And now let us receive the offering.
Let us pray together the offertory prayer. God, our provider, we bring nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it except the gifts you have first given us, which we bring to your table, and with them the offering of our lives. Nourish us now with the life that really is life, revealed to us in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now, let us receive the benediction. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you, with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us, Almighty God bless you with grace, mercy, and peace, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, live in love as Christ loved us. Thanks be to God. Our closing hymn is number 534.
The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Let us share that peace as we head into the mission fields.